What do you do when you know you used to enjoy playing RPGs, but the whole thing has, frankly, become a chore? How do you move forward when the reality is that you are anxious about GMing the next session and you've bailed more times than you run the game? My name is Che Webster, and this is Roleplay Rescue. Hello Rescuers, welcome back to Roleplay Rescue, the podcast about rediscovering our lost role-playing games hobby. This is the 13th season of the show, but it's also a restart, at least from my perspective. For five years I've been poking around the issues that have kept so many people locked out of actually getting a game to the table, and that includes me, who, since starting to podcast, has steadily found myself playing less and even, dare I say it, enjoying the podcasting more than the playing. There's something up with that. We're going to change things up. Firstly, Roleplay Rescue is going to be a bi-weekly podcast for this season. The whole thing takes a bucket of time and had, frankly, started to feel like an unpaid second job, albeit a job I do enjoy. But this is a hobby podcast aimed at people like you who play RPGs or who want to, but find it hard to get back to the table. This season, I'm going to work on presenting the experiments I'm testing in my own actually played RPG sessions. The goal is to track a route back to the table, and if all goes to plan, which of course is a very big if, see about rediscovering the joy and confidence of being a GM. Currently, I have a bi-weekly Saturday night session time, 7pm UK time, online, with two committed players. We could have more players, but finding people who can commit to regular attendance is pretty tough. So, for now at least, we decided as a group that we'd rather play with three people, me as a GM and two players, than to try and run a dedicated table with busy players who sometimes show. The sessions are bi-weekly, so it's logical that I report on the game on a bi-weekly fashion. That will become a part of the new structure of the show, I suppose. Secondly, I've long supported teenage students at the school where I work as a teacher with a space to play games. My plan from this year is to do what I always did in other schools, offer a game for newbie players and then run it in a looser, more open style. I'm not entirely sure it will run as a formal open table, but it will be a pretty close design. And as I record this, I'm negotiating with the school to extend the session times from 50 minutes last year to 1.5 hours. And we have the go-ahead to begin with in the next two weeks. The delay basically has been caused by kind of other folk in the school, but I'm using the time to prepare my game offer, and I hope to keep you informed about progress. Thirdly, I aim to indulge my solo role-playing by experimenting and messing around alone. Having recovered from a recent rise in anxiety around gaming, I got some play over the course of a weekend with the Mythic GM emulator and the game from which it comes, Mythic itself. It was fun, 
But I am going to try and keep my solo Sunday time loose and free. I've long talked about my desire to create a more immersive and descriptive approach to play, and I think these solo experiments are all about creating a world I can enjoy playing in with a minimum of rules and fuss. It's uncomfortable to give up on my usual style, but that's the point of experiments. Sometimes they don't work, and I'm okay with that because I'm really hoping I'll find something fresh, a new way of doing things. So why do three things? Well, that's a combination of recognising my neurology and going with what actually brings me joy. The reality is that for me, trying to do just one thing at a time is way too limiting. And right now, I kind of find myself distracted easily and I grow irritated by like over-limitation. I'm just going to try and spin up three plates. I think that's enough. Plus, I guess, this podcast... But I think that this podcast is a kind of a reporting tool, at least in my mind. So here are the questions that I'm thinking about at the moment. Can I run a consistent, dedicated campaign, albeit in a loose and fun style, that I can prep in about an hour a week? Can I run a consistent open table campaign with kids at school in a similarly loose and fun style that I can prep in about half an hour a week? Can I enjoy an ongoing solo game played privately once a week for at least an hour? 1.5 hours of game prep, 2-3 hours on alternate Saturdays, 1.5 hours weekly at the school, and an hour of solo? Surely, I can do that. I'm going to start with this. The next session of Saturday Night Gaming is going to be improvised. This one's a tip from the angry GM, but part of overcoming my anxieties about GMing is knowing that if I need to, I can pull a couple of hours of gaming straight out of my arse with zero prep. The beliefs that have held me back on this are simple. I've trained myself to believe that a good session is only worth doing if it's a session done well and that it's the GM's job to make it a good session. Because, as an anxious person, uncertainty triggers fear and self-doubt, I have come to believe that playing with more certainty is the way to go. Certainty needs control over the play, and that needs preparation, loads of it. Those beliefs are false. Firstly, the best sessions I've run and played in were not ace because the GM made it good, me. They were good because we were all players and game master playing together. You can't make people play in a particular way. You can only invite them. When people gel, that's when magic can happen. A useful analogy came from Evil Jeff's Minions Amusing podcast recently. If you're playing in my game, you're coming around to my sandbox. I have a bunch of toys in my sandbox and you can bring one of yours too, your character. It's my rules in the sandbox, but when we play... It's a collaboration. We riff off each other's decisions with the toys. We respond and react. Play emerges from this interaction. But we don't script it. We don't plan it. We just show up, grab the toys and start playing. Good play comes from people who like each other, agreeing on some rules and then playing. Secondly, uncertainty is the point of play. We play to find out what happens because we don't know what's going to happen. That's the point. I wonder what happens if, oh cool, that's what happened. What I need is a space to play, some toys to play with, 
time to play and a starting point. The rest is largely improv around the various toys in the play area. You can set up each session's starting point, but then you move from moment to moment, playing, resolving the questions that come up and seeing what happens. You can only plan so much. Mostly, you need a space to play in and some toys to play with. In a social game, the regular kind of RPG session, you invite your friends over to join in. And that's where I've got to right now. I'm making a play space for the school club. It'll be a loosely sketched fantasy world, and it'll probably be pretty much the least high fantasy I can get away with, given that teens are probably going to assume that fantasy means high fantasy superheroes, and I think I'm going to break a personal boundary and run it using D&D, which D&D we'll play to find out. I'll perhaps talk about that next episode. I'm going to improv a session with my friend, Evil Jeff, in a small play space. From there, perhaps we'll flesh out a larger play space by adding to the first session with some extra locations, more characters, and some fun ideas. I'll invite my other friend, Bob, to join in. He actually just can't make our first session, and we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll play just one session. Maybe we'll turn it into something bigger. I don't know. My goal is just to keep the sessions going, the game going. I mean, how many sessions can we keep going in an unbroken sequence? I don't know. I'm largely playing to find out. Lastly, I'm giving myself permission to make a play space and get out some toys to play alone. I'm going to have an hour of personal RPG playtime in my week, just like I did as a kid. I don't care by the way, what judgments anyone makes of me for doing that. I am an introvert. I like to experiment with games and I like basically talking to myself. It's my time and an hour a week for play alone is for largely my mental health sake. So suck it, Mr. Judge Me for being a kid at heart. Whether it's me playing with creating stuff or it's me actually role playing with a character, well, that'll be a decision in the moment. We'll just have to find out what happens. But that's what I've got for now. This season is probably going to be weird. I'll meander and wander. I guess you're used to that anyway. But we are playing to find out, remember? So I reckon if you're an older, anxious, ADHD wannabe GM like me, then this show might be helpful. But I hope that even if you're not, it'll be of benefit, well, at least to one of you out there. In the end, I don't really know. Uncertainty is the point. There's no plan for the series. At the very least... Here's my hope. You'll laugh or maybe even cry as you watch me fumble my way back to having fun. But either way, that's the goal. I'll see you next time in a fortnight. Game on. I love hearing from listeners just like you. Some folk drop me an email or tag me on social media. I'm on Blue Sky and Mastodon, plus MeWe, if you want to look me up. Links are in the show notes. The most enjoyable feedback, though, comes from listeners who call in, whether by hitting the link to SpeakPipe or by recording a voice memo and emailing it in. But thank you to everyone who has done that in the week since the last season ended. And, well, here's what they had to say. Hi, Che. This is Andrew. I listened to your Apprentice GM episode a couple of days ago. It was great. I've been thinking about the ideas you raised. I figured I'd chime in with a couple of my comments for what they're worth. First of all, I want to wish you luck on your apprenticeship. Starting small and building as you go sounds like a good strategy. Your butterfly head sounds very familiar to me. 
I always have more ideas in my head for campaigns than I could possibly run. Usually they're pretty vague, sketchy ideas, but they're exciting. The next thing always has the possibility of being perfect, in contrast to the game I'm already running, which has all the compromises and disappointments and obstacles that come with doing something in the real world. I've heard the same advice from a couple of sources that you shouldn't start running a campaign unless you have several ideas for adventures already in mind for it. Trying to follow that discipline, even if I don't always manage to stick to it, keeps me from hopping from campaign to campaign too often. So I give myself a little mental space to noodle with and research new campaign ideas, but I don't start them as much as I used to. When I'm feeling unprepared for a session, I try to remember that a largely improvised session can still be a lot of fun for the players and the GM. As a GM, I know how things work in my world, so session prep doesn't always have to be so comprehensive. I'm pretty confident that my players will enjoy a campaign with an occasionally less than perfectly prepped session more than one with multiple cancelled sessions. If a GM is into full transparency, they can even let the players know when they don't have a lot planned and will be ad-libbing, reacting to whatever their characters want to try. New ideas to develop for later sessions can even spring from the improv. Anyway, thanks for your work. Keep it coming. Oh, thank you, Andrew. And I felt this one needed a little bit of a response. I'm hoping you can hear that I'm already starting to sort of move in the direction of your advice. I'm certainly scaling down things. The school club game i'll talk about this more in detail but the school club game yeah there are a few things on a map shall we say um and yeah i think that the main draw for me at the moment is to try and kind of build some consistency across the things i'm doing but but great advice and you know you're right you don't have to be perfect Hi, Jay, it's Barry here, just calling in, uh, having a listen to your latest episode, your interview with, um, or rather your chat with Jason, talking about things like tension and immersion. Um, interesting to say that, I think I've found that the immersion for me doesn't always relate so much to how much the rules come into the fore. Um, it more seems to be when I kind of get into the zone with a character, and I don't know, maybe less rolling dice does kind of help with that. And there's been a few times in recent years where that's kind of happened. Um, one thing I have noticed for me is it happens a lot more in games that are theatre of the mind than they are with virtual tabletops. There's definitely something about the virtual tabletop that makes my brain shift into tactical miniature wargaming mode, I think. Um, whereas actually when I've played a few times Theatre of the Mind and had the GM describing scenes, I've kind of really felt much more in the scene in some ways. Um, Another thing, and I don't know if it's about the deadliness of the system or more about, again, how it was weird or double, it's where I felt immersed because the system was feeling deadly or the situation was deadly or whether it was because the other way around because I was feeling immersed, it felt more deadly. The last few times I've been in situations of like kind of peril with the character where the character is actually at risk of dying or sometimes their comrades are in risk of dying. Um, and one of those games was actually the Traveller game, the GURPS Traveller game that we ran when we were in that bar, <laughs> in that situation where Leslie's character, I forget her name, sorry, um, got herself shot and we were sort of in this massive standoff. I felt immensely immersed <laughs> in that scene. And that was interesting because that was a scene where I would try to avoid a conflict rather than actually start a fight. And so I find that interesting based on what you were saying about, you know, players going straight for the fight in that situation. Whether it was me or from the point of view of the character, I could see that that situation was going to become very deadly very quickly. And it was a case of trying to think of everything I could to try and get us out of the situation without getting into a massive shootout, basically, where I figured, you know, we might survive, but some people would become either seriously injured or potentially even die in that situation. And again, maybe that's a fact of GURPS, that in GURPS you aren't these indestructible characters. But I have had that same sensation in a 5e game. To be fair, it was John Alan Large who was running that game, and it was one where he was using a mod where you died at zero hit points, so it made it more, you know, old school style. I'm not a massive fan of characters dying left, right, and center in games, but there is something to be said, I think, about that risk of death. You know, if you don't feel like there's risk of dying, 
are you more likely to run into situations where it doesn't seem realistic and therefore does that affect your ability to be immersed you know there was something about the tension of knowing it's a risky situation kind of adding to that adrenaline in my point of view and kind of you know making you feel like you're there in that situation and feeling the same things in those situations it kind of felt like I wasn't just thinking oh I don't want my character to die the thoughts going through my head were kind of like oh I could die in the situation like I could die not me physically but almost to that point if that makes sense or I'm thinking from that perspective thinking about me as the character rather than me as the individual playing it so yeah just thought I'd kind of share that a little bit from there and put it one of those games is the game that you're running so you know you're obviously running things well so want to put that there for you okay speak to you later hey Che it's Matt here I just wanted to give you a quick call just finished listening to your episode with Jason uh, really enjoyed your conversation and just kind of hitting on some of the themes about, you know, time and where we put our energies. And I know listening to some of your other GM's journals recently and the struggles you're going through. And uh, I'm really sorry that things have been tough for you. Um, I did just want to let you know, though, uh, how much of a force your whole podcast and community has been um just wanted to let you know that i mean after listening to you now i guess it's maybe a year and a half or something um i've been i have kind of been rescuing my game and i've been playing online with some people you know intermittently of course but coming back from getting married and having a kid and really getting some online games on going and now i've had my first online set of games that seem to be continuing for in person for the first time in years and i really have you to thank for that and funnily enough it's actually with another uh member uh, and patron of the discord and of the roleplay rescue so i just wanted to say really appreciate everything you're doing i hope that you'll be coming back in the future so of course you know take the time that you need uh, but hope you might have some podcast down the line and um, hopefully one day, if schedules align, we might be able to play something together. So just want to thank you so much for everything you're doing, Jay. Have a good night. Bye. Thanks, Matt and Barry, for essentially what was feedback, really. Um, I super appreciated that the games that I'm running for Barry have been like what he's looking for a lot of the time in terms of getting to that tension and sense of like other world and character immersion. And... I was really pleased to hear from Matt because, you know, knowing that what I've been doing for the last five years might have helped some people back to the table is super useful. And by the way, I do sort of know of several people who've told me that over the time, but I think every time I hear it, it's a little bit surprising to me. I, I suppose that, you know, again, it, it goes with my character. Um, but I super appreciate it. And, you know, I'm here. I'm back. I didn't really genuinely think I would be gone forever. But I didn't really know where I would show up again or how. And, well, something shifted in the last month or so. So here's hoping we can keep rolling. Thanks, guys. Uh, I think next is some stuff from Spencer. Hey, Jay. Spencer here. I've just been listening to and really enjoying your chat with Paul Jennings about FKR play. And what struck me was this paradox of rules. Um, rules being necessary to illustrate what's possible in play. But once you've understood what they're doing, what they're there for, you can then incorporate their effects into play without reference to the rules themselves. 
And I, I don't just mean memorizing mechanisms. I mean understanding those rules as principles or pointers. So you can set them aside. You can set aside the numbers and express things more narratively. And I think that that's something that struck me uh, quite some time ago when I was reading Diceless Dungeons by James and Robin George, where numbers are almost replaced by adjectives, superlatives. When Paul talks about importing tech, I took that to mean using an approach that's been borrowed from another system, like a methodology, rather than actually importing the mechanics or the mechanisms of the rules themselves. I hope that makes sense. Um, anyways, just a really, really fascinating discussion that I'm, uh, I'm still yet to finish listening to. So uh, if you'll excuse me, I'll get back to the episode. I'm sure there's plenty more goodness to come. Take care. Hey, hey, Jason here. Just listen to Solo Tales, Season 2, Episode 1 with Peter. Really enjoyed it. You know, it's funny. (laughs) I've been to schools, and obviously the application is vastly different. But, But I've been to technical schools where the emphasis was to learn where things were in the book because you, you, you're not going to learn it all. So it's important to know how to look it up and where to look for it. Um, which I realize is, is aside because it's totally different than what you're talking about. But anyway, enjoyed Peter's tale. Enjoyed hearing you go through GURPS there. Looking forward to the game. Um, yeah, it's a shame our schedules don't mesh better because Portal Fantasy is a fun thing. I'm, I know I'm into that. It's surprising more people aren't, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure what to think about that. But I am glad you're putting these up, and I'm glad you you sound happy, and I will talk to you soon. Take care. Hey there. I just finished listening to your Rebel Runners episode. I thought it was awesome. And uh, I was sad to hear that uh, you may not be doing any more, but when I looked at the podcast list, I noticed that you have a Session Zero for your GURPS game which I think is awesome. Uh, that's uh, so, GURPS is something I'm looking forward to get into myself, so I'm really looking forward to hearing your take on it. So keep up the great work. Thank you very much. And, yeah, thanks to Spencer, obviously, for talking about the FKR interview, and to Jason and Ubergrog for messages around Roleplay Rescue Solo Tales. In case you don't know, that's a completely separate podcast that I have where I did drop down five episodes playing some BRP fantasy game. And then I've done a one-off episode at the moment. Anyway, as Ubergrog said, it was sort of session zero for setting up a GURPS game. I don't really know if that's going to go further, but we will see. Because as I said earlier in this episode, solo time is sort of flexible. But it is my hope that some of the stuff I do around solo play will be shareable there over the coming weeks and months. So we'll see. But anyway, thanks to everyone that's called. That's pretty much it for the first episode. Massive thank you to all the callers today. Andrew, Barry, Jason, Spencer, Matt, Ubergrog. Please keep them coming via speakpipe.com slash roleplayrescue. The link is in the show notes. So here goes with season 13. 
Thanks to all the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show financially through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. The money you pay for running costs and helps me fund stuff for the school club like dice sets for new members, copies of game books and other stuff like that. I super appreciate it. Thank you to all of you. Thank you once again to John from Tell of the Manticore for the Roleplay Rescue theme music and stingers. But most of all, thank you to you for showing up and listening. I hope you'll keep playing along. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.